It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin. Asianboxing.info is the website if you love it. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful sunny day here in California. I cannot complain. I've worked a little bit later, but I'm glad that we get to talk some boxing. It's worth knowing that this is the 55th episode that we've recorded. This is the 51st episode? So we missed the 50th episode, kind of talking about like, hey, this is the 50th episode. This is the 50th anniversary, though. It is. But I, I can't believe we missed that milestone, like, you know, pumping it up a little bit. But I guess we could say this is the 50th anniversary of when we started. Wow. That's far too long, haven't we? <laughs> no, I mean, that's incredible. It's been it's been a fun journey, and I can't wait for 50 more episodes, right, Scott? 49 more. We'll remember the 100 mark this time. Okay. Well, when we get to 100, we're going to have a huge celebration. But I think we started this... I would say about two two years ago, possibly two or yeah, I would say around two years ago, possibly three. I could check, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun ride. We're coming up on three. All right, well, fifty one, our fiftieth anniversary. We will commemorate this and say, hey, yes, we did it. We got there. But I know, like you said, forty nine more. We'll get to one hundred, and that one hundred show is gonna be crazy. We're gonna have a lot of fun. We should we should try to get like someone on. We should always get drunk at the same time. You know, we'll find something fun to celebrate. We'll bring uh, Junto Nakatani on or something like that. I'll, we'll, we'll try and grab someone. Although you and I don't speak Japanese, so that's going to be the problem. We'll just have to grab him physically and give him a, give him a you know, oh, translate then. Okay, that sounds like a plan. Well, let's get to the boxing. Um, German Ankahas, who we talked about last week, and we were like, all right, where's your potential? Step it up, kid. He was impossibly one of the fight of the year contenders. It was it was a barn burner. It was, yeah. He was he was actually, I think, trying to put on a show this time. In the past, we've seen him do what he needs to win. We've seen him sort of stay in fourth gear, but Rodriguez pushed him all the way. Round six and nine were brilliant. He dropped Rodriguez in round eight, and it's not actually the start at the end, but instead Rodriguez gritted his teeth and I don't know what Rodriguez made out of. He just brought the fight in the final rounds and made this into one of the best fights of the year. Um, Ancaster did the win. He got the decision, but he got pushed every inch of the way. Every inch of the way. Brilliant fight. That's what you need, is you need a game opponent. And that's why we've been asking Ancajas to step his competition up, be more active, because you know that he's capable of these things. You know that he is an up and coming star, but if you only fight guys that you're way, your level's just way above them, you're not really going to see the best of Ankahas or whoever that fighter is, who isn't fighting someone at his level. This time he fought a game opponent and you got to see some of the better parts of Ankahas's game. Yeah. And all the credit goes to Rodriguez. Really? He gritted out something over here. The performance that will put him on the map. He may have lost, but his performance will win him fans. Frank has it was the perfect introduction to a Showtime audience. He's really been undermatched when he was fighting with top rank, and now he gets this opportunity on Showtime. Shows what he can do. Makes fans want to see more of him. It was it was really smart, really smart matchup. Um, you know, it was a mandatory, it was a really smart way of fighting for Ankas, and it was the perfect Showtime debut for him. 
This is the most stacked division in boxing. I don't care what anyone else says. Super flyweight, 115. He has so many options. Who does he pick next? He has so many options until you realize that four of those options are on some mini little tournament. And it sort of leaves either options quite thin. But there's still Kazi Toyoka, Kosa Tanaka, and Donny Nietes out there for him. He was talking about unification, so the obvious one there is Ayoka. Ayoka wants to fight in the US. It makes sense. Hopefully, fingers crossed, that's the one we get. Any of those I would I would love. Because, again, on Kahas, challenge yourself. Look at this fight as an example of what you can be and the fans that you can draw in when you have a game opponent I mean, this this guy's not even a belt holder or anyone who really made noise before and yet still made a great fight. Yeah, I think that's what he needs. Um, I think he needs someone who comes to try and beat him and doesn't just sort of shrug his shoulders and feel, feel happy they've got a world title fight like I think we've seen from too many of his opponents so far. Moving on to Japan. Uh, this past weekend, we had a couple of uh, decent fights. The thunder struck, but it didn't strike hard enough. Shimomachi was too strong for Thunder Teruya. Thunder Teruya got thundered. Uh, Toshiki Shimomachi, one of the most naturally talented prospects in Japan, went up two weight classes from super bantamweight to super featherweight and just beat Teruya. Um, forced John Kawakami to step in and save Teruya, who was getting battered in round three. Shimamachi then announced after the bout that he was wanting to fight for the Japanese title, which seen going back to Super Bantamweight and facing Gakuya Furuhashi in what would be a mouth-watering matchup with Shimamachi's defense against Furuhashi's offensive pressure. If you've not seen Shimamachi before, you really need to. He has a style that really, really, really fit well with the American fans. It's a slippery defensive counterpunching style. He stands in front of opponents and just makes them miss. Encounters such a natural talent. Scott, what's Shimomachi's ceiling? I think he's really unfortunate that Super Bantamweight is such a tough, tough division right now. He probably won't reach world level, which is a shame because he has that real something about him. But Oriental title level is probably his ceiling, and that's nothing to be ashamed by. Um. Yeah, he just really isn't lucky that Super Bantamweight is so stacked right now. And yesterday, we had a big fight at Korokan Hall. Jotanuka versus uh, Kawara. Uh, Kawara, for those who perhaps aren't too familiar with him, is a prospect trained by former world champion Hiroki Kawashima. He's been dubbed untouchable too due to his defense, and that defense is on show here. He... Frustrated Tanuka for the first round, then move through the gears and properly deck Tanuka in round three. He is wanting a shot at Ryoji Fukunaga, the triple crown champion at Super Flyweight. And I think we'll probably see that bout next year if uh, Fukunaga still holds the titles at the end of the year. The Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. The hits just keep on coming, Scott. This next week, we have some stars back in the ring. Matsunaga, Ishizawa, and Abe. All on the same card, and Bokchek's only listened to the bouts. 
Um, Hironobu Matsunaga versus Rei Nakajima, a Japanese title fighter, 154 pounds. And you got Kai Ishizawa defending his Japanese youth middleweight title against Yuni Takada. And Rhea Abe facing Koshin Takashima in a non-title fight around uh, the super featherweight limit. For those who haven't seen Matsunaga and Nakajima, this should be something a little bit special. Matsunaga likes to bring a lot of pressure. He's very attacking, very aggressive. And Nakajima is an undersized fighter with a lot of skill, a lot of speed, a lot of counter-punching. I love seeing pressure fighters face counter-punches, and I think this bout could be something special. This card could be special, but viewers in Japan, they're going to have to wait to watch it on TV. Yeah, I believe it's like May 10th that G-Plus will be showing it, which doesn't make any sense. You've got three really good fights. This is a card that perhaps a should have been streaming on YouTube like they have done in the past. Instead, we have to wait weeks for it. Such a good card. It deserves live fans watching it on, uh, on stream and on TV. It doesn't make, make any sense. Okay, that was a horrible joke. I'm sorry. I apologize. That was bad. I wonder if it's just a case that Riyab is not very fun to watch despite his incredible talent. He's talented, but yes, I, I understand why people might not want to watch his fights because he's just a counterpuncher and he's defensive and he's smart. So he, he doesn't bring the old brawler style, does he? Now, he's a really frustrating fight to watch. You can tell he's a special talent. You can just also tell that he doesn't care that he's a special talent and will do what he needs to, to win. How about the Guillermo Rigondeau uh, syndrome? Boxing is like jazz. The greatness is not appreciated as much as, you know, Kenny G jazz. People look at Miles Davis and they're like, ah, you know, I don't know if I like this. And they love Kenny G. It's the same with boxing. All the defensive boxing, ah, I don't know if I like it. But the, the old brawl, rock'em, sock'em robots, that's what people love. We have a lot of news to get to, Scott. A lot of exciting news. Uh, I guess let's start off with Kyoguchi, who made his debut on Matchroom. Had had a decent debut. Of course, his opponent unfortunately injured himself. That was looking like it was going to turn into a firefight. Instead, he comes out with the victory due to injury, and now he has decided who his next opponent is going to be. He said who, who he wants to fight. Um, whether or not that's next, but he has decided that he wants to unify with Elwin Soto, a fellow matchroom fighter, but not the bot that I think um, long-term listeners will want. Uh, not about that perhaps Japanese fans will want. A, a very good bout in its own right, but it's not the bout that everybody in the Ufosa division wanted to see, which was, of course, Kaigushi versus Kenshira. It's the bout that would decide the number one in the division. And instead, he's kind of gone after the the easier-to-make opponent. It truly is a shame because Kyle Gucci, I was excited when he came to Matchroom, and now he's fighting over here in the States. But at the same time, I was also apprehensive because now you thought, okay, well, do you think he's going to take the route where it's, I only fight guys who are uh, on my same streaming site or on the same cable channel? And it looks like he is. And that's disappointing because we all know that Kyoguchi Shiro is the fight to make at light flyweight. We all know that. I mean, it's it's been like that for a couple of years. And the fact that he's going past Shiro to Soto. I mean, I, hey, Soto is a great fighter. And you know what? That's going to be a great fight. 
but you should first maybe take care of fighting Shiro because he's your countryman. That's what Japan wants. There's so much that is wrong with passing Shiro and going to Soto. Yeah, fair enough. If he was talking about wanting that bout in the future, you just basically say I'm not interested in it, which is his scratching, to say the least. Um, he wanted to go after the WBO title because he's not held it before, but he also hasn't held a WBC title. The argument is literally Matt Schumer said this is easy about to make. I'll agree. And <laughs> eh. It's a good bout. It's just not the bout that anyone wanted. Um, on the subject of Kaiguchi, he uh, started training again properly today for the first time. He had previously been training alongside or helping Ginjiro Shigioka. Uh, after he returned back in Japan, he also saw his family and father, who's just uh, had surgery for esophageal cancer. So best wishes to Kaiguchi's father. Yeah, no, definitely sending our prayers and thoughts to him. That's We hope that he can uh, make a full recovery. Uh, it's the Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info with Scott and Colin. Scott, one thing I wanted to touch on before we get back into news, uh, Jerwin Ancajas, his fight was amazing. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see it. I was at work. I also don't have showtime. I don't know if you got to see it, but... Coming back to the discussion of highlights or replays, something that DAZN does extremely well is they create great highlight packages and they understand their audience. If you want to reach the younger audience, you need to make great highlights because the younger generation, they don't watch the game. They don't watch the entire fight. They watch the highlights. Something about Showtime that I don't like, and I think Showtime does a lot of good things right, they give you a one-minute highlight package. I mean, barely anything. You you really wouldn't know the story of the fight with what they give you. What do you think about that, Scott? Do you think that they're right in doing that, or do they need to expand their highlight packages? I'd like to see them expand it. I'd also like to see them popping bouts online, um, put in HD for free. And get people interested, maybe on sort of like a three-week, four-week, five-week delay, but put it online for free. You're not making any money off something you're not using, so put it on. Let people watch the entire fight, let people watch the highlights, let people enjoy it. Bring them into the sport by giving them something for free. Um, whether that's highlights, whether that's full fights, more interviews, anything. Just get people into the action, get them enjoying it, get them buying into both the stories of the fighters and the story of the fights. Because Showtime, production-wise, I think they have the best features. They do the best uh, documentaries. They have great material. It's just all behind a paywall. It's all behind uh, a subscription that you need to pay for. But my beef with them, or my complaint, would be those highlights after the fight. And that's something that does own. While I don't think that they have the best broadcasters, or they put out the best broadcast, in fact, I think they're behind Showtime and ESPN when it comes to that, they do do a phenomenal job of creating a highlight package that you can watch, you can understand what went on in the fight, the story of the fight, in 10 minutes. And again, it's the younger generation. They're not like you and me, Scott, who sit down and watch the entire thing. No, they love that 10-minute little bite 
where they can get everything and then go on with their day after watching that highlight on YouTube. In fairness to design, that's their target audience first and foremost, the online audience, not the TV audience. So their highlights package appeals to the audience they know they already have. With Showtime, I think they're not perhaps aware of the audience they could have whilst they're unaware of what they're targeting. I, yeah, I fully agree that they need to do better to attract the newer, younger audience. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. I just had to go off on a little tangent there. That was tangent of the week with Scott and Colin because it was just on my mind. And that's what we do here on the Asian Boxing Podcast. We, we speak about what's on our mind. All right, let's get back to the news so we talked about Kyoguchi Soto. Uh, oh, you know who else is back? One of my favorite fighters, Junto Nakatani, is back. And why I like him, one, he's a young talent, one of the most talented young guys on the scene, not only in Japan, but in the world. He has his world title now. But he also comes over here to Los Angeles, fights at the Maywood Boxing Gym, or, you know, spars there, does some training. So... I've kind of adopted him as an L.A. fighter as well. Uh, talking about his return, it's going to be either in May or June and probably against Angel Acosta in a mandatory defense of the WBO flyweight title. He um, he hasn't been in the ring since he beat McGrama last November, but he has been busy. He's um, done quite a lot of events with local celebrities and mayors and things. He's... Also, uh, just recently been sparring with Vega Higa. So he's getting top-level training for this, top-level sparring for this. And it's exciting to hear he's back. It'll be a brilliant fight with Acosta. Fingers crossed this one gets uh, live TV coverage internationally because I believe his previous victory with Magrama was only televised live on Pair TV in Japan and didn't get any international coverage from what I remember. I I. I think you're right and if you want to go watch that fight it's on asianboxing.info scott doesn't hold back from putting the highlights online yeah yeah the whole highlights being the full fights <laughs> exactly yeah you're not even a highlight man you're a full entire fight putting on the commercial i mean you could watch japanese commercials on asianboxing.info that's how great it is um Interestingly, he uh, this will be his first defense of any title. He's held the Japanese uh, flyweight title, the Japanese youth flyweight title, and vacated both before defending. So this will be the first time he's ever defended a title, which is kind of a weird start, given that this is the, the third belt he's held as a professional. You talk about a tough defense, too. I mean, he's not just going against any old Joe Schmo. This is Angela Costa, who basically has knocked out everyone he's ever fought was a former world title holder. It's a tough fighter to fight in your first defense. Yeah, I think his losses are to Kosei Tanaka and Elwin Soto. So it's, it's not like he's ever embarrassed himself. He's got 21 knockouts and 22 wins. A really, really good fighter. And for first defense, you don't get that much tougher, do you? I love it. I love it if this is his first defense. I just... Everything about Nakatani, his personality, always smiling. The the way he fights, he's aggressive while being smart. I mean, he's learning. You can see he's getting better. There's just so much upside with Nakatani. My question for you, Scott, where do you think he finishes up when it's all said and done? Because right now he's at flyweight. 
but he's 5'6", five, 5'7", five, so he's a tall, lanky flyweight. And I think, you know, still being this young, eventually he's going to even get more man strength. So what weight class does he finish at? I think he probably finishes at Super Bantam. I think he'll have a lot of success at Superfly and Bantam. But again, that Super Bantamweight division in the next 10 years is going to be red hot. And I think that might be the limit for him. You know what's really exciting is that he makes a couple of defenses at flyweight and then jumps up to super flyweight. With how stacked that division is already, you add a Nakatani in there and it's even it's even stronger. Yeah, and guys, that you think about how deep it is, but also how awesome that talent is. So when he moves up, a lot of this talent is going to be perhaps there for the taking for him as well. Estrada will be thirty three in a couple of years' time. Gonzalez will be thirty five. He can take some really, really big names very quickly when he moves up. Passing of the torch fights. That's what he's going to be looking for. Stealing the torch off the old men and then running with it himself. Scott and Colin, it's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Uh, Tension. The guy who fought Floyd. Tension. He uh, is a kickboxer. Very good kickboxer. We saw him get in the ring against Floyd. and Of course, that was against an all-time great what did you expect? But now he's deciding, hey, I want to go into this professional boxing thing. This professional boxing thing is for him after all. He uh, had a TV interview last week and revealed that he is turning to professional boxing from next March. He's finishing up a current tournament. Um, I was taking part in a tournament with Rise and then heading towards the professional boxing ranks. It's going to be at Super Bantamweight, I believe, that he's going to fight at. And it's going to be a really, really fun journey. As you mentioned, he lost to Floyd in that exhibition. He's going to weigh about two stone to Floyd. And he looked brave. He looked confident. And then he looked undersized and too small. Um, after that, he beat Koki Kamida in an exhibition. He sparred with some of the top, top guys in Japan. He's been training at the Taiken gym. He has so much upside, and he has that natural charisma that just just grabs people's attention. Um, this took that if he turns professional, or rather when he turns professional as a boxer, he's going to have the biggest fan base of any player in Japan, which is just insane thought when he's not even his debut yet. And everyone around the world knows him because of that Floyd Mayweather fight. So it's it could be a little bit of redemption for him if he just goes on a run and wins a world title or something like that because people, I guess, around the world remember him as the Japanese guy who got just obliterated by Floyd. But let's be honest. If you are a guy who's never had a professional boxing match and you get in there with Floyd, I know you're a kickboxer. This is Floyd Mayweather, one of the greatest fighters of all time. You're not going to win. I don't care how big you are or how small you are. It's not going to end well for you. So I think for him, that was a good experience. He learned, hey, I have to I have to ease into this thing. I can't just go challenging one of the great fighters ever. I'm going to have to ease my way into, into boxing. And I think he's doing a good job of that now. Yeah, I think that's incredibly smart. Forward-thinking marketing in many ways. Everybody has heard his name. If you follow boxing, you know this guy's name. And when he finally debuts, it could well be that his TV station does some international deal and gets his name out there again, building on that Mayweather fight. Um, as practical as it was, 
that was brilliant bit of marketing to spread his name. Absolute genius. Another superstar in Japan. Maybe, maybe not up to tensions level, but he's getting there. Naoya Inoue. He had another kid. What number kid is this? This is number three and daughter number two. Um, his first child was born in 2017 and was famously seen uh, celebrating in front of the TV when his dad knocked out him uh, one car's piano. His second child was a daughter born in 2019 and then this week he's had his second daughter um, and he was very happy to report that both the child and mother are completely healthy and fine and the birth's been been, a, been pleasant, relatively speaking. It's exciting for me because I see all these children and all I can think of is, hey, these are going to be the next top fighters in Japan in about 20 years. Yeah, maybe if there's a few more boys, that's possible. Hey, hey, girls too. Girls too, right? Girls, girls do too, but their careers don't tend to last very long. That's true. You know, it's it's a little bit tougher to be a professional women's boxer because you're right. They're not, those careers aren't as long. You had Mako Yamada, I think she retired when she was 19. Brilliant talent. Just didn't feel it after winning a world title. Weird, weird career. Yeah, let's have a few more boys now, yeah. I mean, his first son, we already saw his moves. You mentioned it. After that Juan Carlos Payano fight, he was celebrating, and you could see him, you know, doing some shadow boxing. So, you know, he has dad's DNA, and he's he, he'll be a future champ. We can hope. Finally, Scott, a big card was recently announced. Daishi Nagata defending his title. And the Japanese Vasily Lomachenko back in the ring. Rentaro Kimura. Um, he had hoped to be in action in April, but couldn't secure an opponent. Now he's managed to get Hikaru Fukunaga, who was... Um, he was supposed to fight in the All Japan Rookie of the Year final in February, and sadly, the Fukunaga's bout got cancelled when he got um, a positive COVID test. But he's a very good fighter. He would would have probably been the favourite to win his final. Uh, eight and one with five knockouts, a hungry fighter himself, and he's going to come to win against Kimura rather than um, just play the B side. He's going to be hungry enough to try and prove himself. So, brilliant, brilliant matchup. On the same card, Daishi Nagata will defend his title against Masahiro Suzuki, an unbeaten prospect who looked amazing on debut against Antonio Sismundo. Since his debut, uh, Suzuki hasn't really impressed in the same way that he did, but he's a talent, and I think we'll probably see... I think we'll probably see him fight to his strengths here against the talented but somewhat predictable Nagata. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin. Thank you again so much for for making us a part of your day. We appreciate you, and thank you for listening to us for 51 episodes. I I can't imagine that 51 episodes have already come and gone. And like Scott said, this is our 50th anniversary. I know we missed the 50th episode, but we're going to celebrate here today. So again, Scott, thank you for everything. Thank you for all that you do on the website. We, we, I know as fans of Asian boxing, appreciate all that you do. That well should. <laughs> you let him know. You let him know. But here's to another 49 episodes so we can reach that 100 and really have a 
formal celebration. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to get a bottle of champagne in for it. Hey, we'll both pop bottles of champagne. Maybe, maybe we could do a episode together for our 100th episode. Wouldn't that be fun? Hopefully, the world sorts itself out by then, and international flights back to normal. Yay, the world as we know used to know it. We do a we do an episode in person. Whether I'm in over there in England, you're here in the states. We're both in Japan. I don't know something like that where we can do an episode together. That would be great. That's fun. That and lots of alcohol. Yes, I'll 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 drink with you. I'll drink some champagne. I'm not a drinker. I I don't drink a lot, but for that 100th episode, I will I will have a glass of champagne with you. Exactly, it's something worth celebrating. It most certainly is, and we want to thank the fans one more time. Thank you for making us a part of your day, downloading this podcast, and uh, just riding alongside us throughout this journey, this 51-episode journey. We appreciate all of your support. But until next time, we will talk to you next week.